Hey everyone, welcome back to the All Things Gymnastics Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Bueller, and I'm here with my co-host and twin sister, Brittany. Hey guys. This is the podcast where we talk about all things gymnastics, and today we're back to talk about NCAA gymnastics. We just finished week seven, and a lot of really exciting things happened. Lots of program records were broken. Alyssa Bauman finally made her all-around debut. Margarita Frazier got a FaceTime from Janet Jackson, and so much more, so we talk about it all today. But before we get into the episode, we want to real quickly thank our Gold Level Patreon supporters. Thank you, Blake B., Elaine E., Rydog, Faith M, Kristen R, Lori S, Sabrina M, Amy C, and Erica S. Thank you guys for all your support. You guys definitely keep us going, so thank you so much. And if you like our show and want to help us cover some of the costs associated with running the podcast, such as our website fees, editing software, all that good stuff, you can do that by visiting our website and clicking the support show tab, and you'll see the different tiers that we have to contribute. We appreciate you all so much, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. So Brittany and I want to start by saying thank you to everybody who said such nice things about our last episode. We had an interview with Maggie O'Hara and we got so much nice feedback on social media. So many people listening to the episode and saying that they liked it. So we just want to say thank you and let you know how much we appreciate that because Brittany and I are like super, super critical of ourselves, especially when it comes to the work that we put out for people to see. So um, it's really nice to have people you know, say such nice things about us. And I feel like that was the best response that we've gotten, like, on any of our episodes ever, like, even including, like, past interviews that we've done. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people were sharing it. A lot of you had really nice things to say. So many people actually listened to it. And yeah, I just feel like it made us feel really good to get such positive feedback from you guys. And we just wanted to let you know that we really, really appreciate it. Because like Ashley said, we we work really hard on this podcast. Um, We don't really make any money from it. It's just something that we do for fun. And we enjoy putting out this content for you guys. We enjoy doing interviews. And um, it's just nice to see, you know, our hard work being recognized and to see so many people on the Massive community loving it and appreciating it as well. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for yes, that. Yes, thanks guys. Moving into this week's episode, we just wanted to do a little bit of an update on what happened this past weekend with college gymnastics. It wasn't our plan originally to record, but there was so much happening that we were like, we got to talk about this now. So yeah. Friday, there was so much gymnastics going on, maybe too much gymnastics. Like, literally every single big meet that could happen was happening on Friday. At the same time. <laughs> yeah. It was and a then lot. Saturday was like bare. There was only three meets. And not to say that the, the meets weren't good meets, they weren't fun meets to watch, but there it just wasn't like all the main action was really happening on Friday, as it usually does, I guess. Yeah, well, because usually Friday's SEC night, and then Saturday or Sunday, I guess it depends, is usually like Pac 12 and then all the other teams. So, yeah, it was just a little bit different this week than it was in past weeks because it seemed like everybody was going on Friday. Definitely had to multitask, figure out our situation with, you know, what we're playing on the TV, what we need on our laptop. And we had to prioritize a little bit because, like, we just moved into a new apartment, so we have our TV, and then we, at the moment, we really only have one working laptop, so we had to, like, get two meets up on the computer and, like, split the screen, <laughs> and we had the TV going, so we had to prioritize a little bit, because normally, like, we try to keep it at around three meets that we watch at a time, but there was... <laughs> that sounds so crazy. <laughs> but there was more that we wanted to watch. Like, there were so many more things that we could have been watching and that we wanted to be watching, but we just couldn't because it's not possible, so we did end up settling on three different meets, which we're going to talk about today so take it away Brett. 
So I wanted to start by talking about Florida's me, they versus Kentucky, and I have a few highlights for Florida and also a complaint or a maybe more of like a negative thing to say. So we're going to touch on both we of love them. It. We love the balance. Yes, we got to stay balanced here. So we'll start with the positives, the highlights. Alyssa Bauman had her bar debut. She scored a 9.925, and we've been waiting for this for a long time. Yeah, we saw As Lizzo would say... I've been waiting for this one, truly. Like, we've all been waiting for this. <laughs> I hate you for that. <laughs> no, but really, though, it's true because we saw those videos of Alyssa in the preseason and we were like, oh, like, she's going to do bars, like, all around her question mark. And then, you know, season's going on and she hasn't done it yet. We're like, is she even going to compete? So to finally see her competing was super, super cool. And it's the first time she's competed since 2016. So, like, hello, welcome back. She had an amazing bar routine. Yeah, and to see how emotional she was. I just you could see on her face how much that moment meant to her to her teammates everyone was just so happy for her um and you know we had her on the podcast she said that was you know one of her biggest goals for this season was to compete all around to finally do bars and I believe last week I was reading an interview with Jenny Rowland and she was saying that you know when Alyssa was going to come into bars was really just a matter of when she decided to take ownership of that routine when she decided that she was ready to do it and like put it out there I think this week it may have came possibly a little bit unexpected I don't necessarily know that for sure but you know we'll get into it here in a moment you know everything that kind of went down with Florida that maybe she was kind of thrust into that position sooner than she would have liked but hey either way she handled the pressure really well she had a phenomenal routine like we said 9925 and she also won the all-around with a 3965 and that's actually the highest score ever for a Gator in their all-around debut which is really really impressive considering some of the greats that have come out of that program like Bridget Sloan Alex McMurtry. So for Alyssa to get the highest ever all-around debut score is huge. That's incredible. Massive props to Alyssa because... I couldn't imagine being out of bars for that long, finally going out there and having an opportunity to compete. And I mean, we don't know if it was short notice. We don't really know exactly what the situation was at Florida. I kind of have a feeling that it was. Like I said, because of that interview that I read where Jenny kind of said, like, it, it depends on Alyssa. Like, she needs to take ownership of this. She needs to, like, decide when she's ready to do it. Mm-hmm. And then the next meet out, she's doing it. And there's all these people that are out because yeah. of COVID. That would kind of lead me to think that it was sort of like a, hey, we need you. Well, that's even more impressive then to be out for that long and not really you know sure when you're actually going to be in the lineup and then surprise hey you're in the lineup and then to do as well as she did so incredible so great job to Alyssa something else that was incredible was Leah Clapper getting a perfect 10 on beam I had a feeling this one was coming for a while I know last season she got a 9975 and I feel like she's just really coming into her own at Florida she obviously has always been a great gymnast she competed at the elite level but she was originally committed to Penn State. She know? was, yeah. yeah. So to see her come on to a bigger team, a team with a lot more top-level athletes, high-caliber athletes, mm-hmm. to see her kind of, like, hanging in there with the best of them yeah. and going up after someone like Alyssa Bauman, who had an incredible routine, by the way. I would say that was one of the best routines Alyssa Bauman has ever done on beam. I was kind of hoping that she was going to get the 10. I think she wanted it. I mean, I don't like to judge gymnast faces based off, like, what they look like on and TV and guess their emotions, but she did kind of look pissed. <laughs> I mean, it was a pretty dang good routine. Yeah. Like, I personally would have been okay with a 10 on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Leah Clapper going up, you know, after that, she basically just had a hit, a good routine, and she was also set up for a really high score. 
Um, so to see her get the 10, I wasn't surprised. I had a feeling when I saw that that it was going to go 10, and I'm really happy for her. I wasn't sure when she decided to come to Florida. I wasn't sure how she was going to fit into the lineups, just with so much talent on the team. I thought maybe she'd be someone that fills in like here and there on an event, but this season in particular, she's, you know, more consistently in lineups other than Beam because obviously she's kind of been in the Beam lineup consistently in her career so far, but she's kind of been more of like a depth person. Yeah. And this year we're seeing her a little bit more on bars, a little bit more on floor. Yeah, I think that she's doing so well. To be in the anchor spot on Beam and to get that 10. So cool. I'm so proud of her. Now moving on to the not so great part of the Florida meet is maybe the fact that the meet was happening to begin with. And I hate to say that, but Florida did have several people out due to different COVID precautions. So they had Nia Reed, Trinity Thomas, Savannah Shanehare, Cindy Jonathan Scharf, head coach Jenny Rowland, and also Jeremy Miranda out with some sort of like contact tracing issue I'm assuming they didn't necessarily specify Mm -hmm. that's a really large amount of people I don't want to say a bulk of the teams it's it's not the bulk of the team um I either heard either they said it on the broadcast or I read it somewhere but it was like 40 percent of their lineup yeah those are really their key contributors Trinity Mm -hmm. Thomas, Nia Reed, Savannah Shane here and Cindy Jackson Sharp was out with some sort of hip flexor issue anyways although we've seen her this past week in training so she's She's fine. She's training, but um, I wasn't expecting her to be competing at the meet. Anyway, so really, Nairi, Trinity Thomas, Savannah Shane here, that's a pretty big hit, though, to take to your team. Yeah. Those three very top <laughs> athletes, and also your head coach. Yeah, I saw that, and I was like, oh, this might not be good. And I think if we're being fair, you know, there's been a lot of teams that have had to postpone their meet, um, teams that have had to sit out completely because yeah. of COVID. So I was a little bit confused of why this meet was even happening to begin with. The SEC has a bye week next week. They could have very easily pushed this back a week mm-hmm. um, and I, possibly had it be a little bit safer. I will say that if we're being fair, which you and I like to be fair here, if this was LSU, they'd be getting ripped to shreds Oh, yeah. having this meet. For sure. And understandably, I'm not saying that, like, it's not justified, but I feel like we need to keep that same energy with any team that does what Florida did. And, yeah, to have so many of your athletes out because of contact tracing, I don't know. I don't know who, if someone had it. I don't know what, right, the, I don't know either. what the whole deal is with But that. either way, like, it's COVID-related, COVID precautions. You probably should just postpone the meet just because... I think it's really, really hard to track down, like, who came in contact with who. And these girls are all trained together. They're all around each other. Are they all juniors? Okay, so Brittany's nodding her head. Yes. She's not, she's not speaking. <laughs> she's afraid to answer. I, I look down at my notes and I'm like, uh, yeah, actually, good point. And they're all juniors. This is a podcast. We have to, like, vocalize here. We yeah. can't just nod our I head. know, I'm in silence, just nodding my head. <laughs> so, yes, they're all juniors. So, that would make sense that it was, I don't know if they all live together or what. They might. Um, it makes sense to have a whole class be the ones that are in contact with each other. Yeah, that's but... actually a really good point. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I, I literally just thought of it too. That's why I'm like, are they all juniors? Let me think about this. Yeah, so interesting. But it's a little bit sketchy for them to be going forward with a meet. Some people were saying that they think it's because Kentucky was already there. and But like still, that's yeah. not an excuse. Right, like, wow, you came all this way, so like we might just potentially give you COVID. Like, are you guys cool with that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. For real. We just don't want to, like, send you home when you came all the way here. So, like, we'll just give you COVID in exchange. Like, <laughs> honestly, 
the meet should have just postponed. Not saying it should have been canceled. I just think it should have been postponed because that's what LSU had to do in the past. Michigan had to do in the past. Even though Michigan gymnastics team didn't even have any like contact tracing. It was just a decision that was made because like in the athletic department there was Mm -hmm. issues. And just that city in general is just not doing too hot. Yes. (laughs) So like there's different reasons of why teams are having to postpone or cancel or reschedule, yada yada. And I just feel like if we're being fair, Florida should have done the same thing. Okay, so... No, 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 no. You're going to move on without mentioning the best part of the Florida meet? What was the best part of the Florida meet? The crocodile woman cartwheel? Cart- <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for this. I knew, I, I knew you weren't going to mention it. I I'm forgot. Like, this was the highlight of the meet, honestly. The Florida Gymnastics Twitter account tweeted, Crocodile woman cartwheeling, No. And they quickly deleted it, and the chorus people were on it, and they screenshotted it. I think what it means, and then this actually makes sense, you know how you can type in words and the emojis come up? (laughs) (laughs) I think they were trying to get the crocodile, the woman cartwheeling, and I'm not quite sure what no means. Like, I'm not sure what they were trying to get with that. Like, maybe, like, the finger like shake no i don't know how that would relate to anything but either way they they were definitely trying to get a a gator and then a woman cartwheeling like that's how you could sum up the footage masks team crocodile woman cartwheeling they're just a bunch of crocodile woman cartwheeling i just had to bring that up we just got to keep it a little bit lighthearted around here i thought that was funny that is funny anyways now you have permission to move on i was gonna say if you're okay with me moving on i want to talk about Alabama, LSU, another really big matchup. And I think the most exciting thing that really came out of that meet was Luisa Blanco getting career highs on every single event. She got a 9.925 on vault, beautiful vault, mm-hmm. best one and a half I've seen her do, a 9.95 on bars, a 9.975 on beam, and a 9.975 on floor. Brought her to a total of 39.825. She helped Bama to record their highest score since 2017, which I didn't know that. That's actually kind of surprising. Mm-hmm. It's a 197.725. Yeah, I feel like Bama hasn't been too hot in the last couple of years, so I mean, I can believe that. I think that there was definitely some overscoring of this meet, as per usual with the SEC. We come to expect it. I think the Blanco scores were well-deserved in every event, with the exception of Bean. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, her vault was incredible. I think that was one of the best vaults I've seen her do. Her bar team was also phenomenal. Her floor team was phenomenal. I don't know if I would have gone 9975 for it. But I, I don't have any complaints with that. It was Unlike a good Beam, where she got the 9975 and there was visible deduction. Yeah, so she had a little hop on the dismount. It was, it, she disguised it pretty well. It kind of like could pass for a stick, but it really wasn't a stick. There was a little bit of movement there. She also had a slight adjustment on her series that I noticed. So, so I definitely was, not a 10. So there's a judge that somehow saw no deductions with that. And I'm like, what are you on? When I was watching the routine live and I was kind of like scoring it in my head, I had that around a 98599. And mm-hmm. then she got a 9975. And I'm like, Oh, interesting. Yeah, I said to you, she got a 9975, and you were like, are you sure it's not 9875? I'm like, nope, it's 9975. <laughs> I truly, yeah, truly thought that it was like an error, that I was like seeing something. Mm-hmm. Nope, it was a 9975. Um, like I said, I think scoring for this meet was high for both teams at times. Oh yeah, for sure. I think that Alona Shinokova received a lot of gifts with her all-around performance. She got a 9775 for a one and a half that she almost sat down. It was not a good landing. Mm-hmm. Um, 9775 for that. Um, a 99 on bars, which actually I do want to give her credit here. 
I kind of feel like her bars is improving. Yeah, a little bit. I feel like... Does anybody else feel that way? Like, please let us know. I didn't. I noticed that last weekend, her double layout dismount looks a little bit better. She usually, like, kind of has a bend in her hips, and then on the last flip, she, like, opens it up and then pikes down. Yeah, I feel like she always slings it out instead of up, and I feel like she's getting a little bit more height on it. Yes. Which is helping her to get a better landing. So definitely an improvement there, and then I also feel like just the routine itself... Maybe it's her toes. Are they pointed a little bit more? I'm not quite sure what it is, but I, I see. I it. felt like in this this meet here with Alabama, she did a little bit better with keeping her legs together, like on her transitions. Okay. Um, and maybe I, I haven't actually gone back and watched it twice. I literally just watched it once live when it was happening. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm like crazy right now. Mm. But I felt like when I watched it live that one time through, I felt like it actually looked better execution wise than any of her past routines. I so agree. I'll, I'll be okay with the 9-9, to be honest with you. I think that's fair. Yes. It's better than some of the routines that she's done when she's gone 9 9 5 so. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> she got a 9875 on beam which apparently that was just the score of the meet because everybody was just getting 9875s on beam even if they had like several wobber <laughs> wobbers <laughs> several wobbles in their routine Gosh. i like that i'm gonna start calling wobbles wobbers <laughs> i can't talk apparently english is hard it is early morning when we're recording this anyways she got a 9875 on beam and like I said, everybody was kind of getting that, regardless of, like, how many wobbles they had in their routine. So that was just, like, it was the like, score of the meet. If you don't fall and you don't, like, nail the crap out of your routine, you'd get a 9875. Yeah, it's just, like, that's that's the That's the score. Yeah. You get a 9875. You get a 9875. Like, everyone just gets 9875s. So there's that. And then on floor, Alona got a 975 with two, um, I would say, kind of, like, I call it wonky passes, where, like, it wasn't anything, like, glaringly wrong, but it also wasn't necessarily, like, a hit either. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of just, like, some extra energy, um, bouncing out, a little bit sloppy. Um, that went 9.75, which I felt was a little bit generous, but I definitely think that the overscoring was happening on both ends for both teams, so it wasn't just LSU. It's, again, the SEC. Just the gifts that you received. Refer to the rant that we had last week. <laughs> I will say I was really proud to see Haley Bryant bounce back after her performance last week. She had a phenomenal all-around performance that was kind of overshadowed by Luisa Blanco getting her massive all-around score, and obviously Luisa Blanco won the all-around. But Haley Bryant got a 39-6, and the highlight for me was her 995 on floor and also her 999 ball. Obviously, floor, it was great to see her bounce back after that fall last week that kind of caused lsu to lose the meet against florida yeah, that's so a tough one it's good to see that she didn't get in her head about that and she kind of just moved past it and she's back to being her phenomenal self mm-hmm. and then with her vault that vault is huge it's amazing and i feel like kathy johnson clark she's the one who always like is commentating the sec meets and i feel like she's just gonna die when Haley sticks that vault. oh like, yeah. she's waiting for it we all are honestly that is the only thing holding her back from getting a time because as far as her form and execution in the air, there's literally nothing to take. It's just the, that the hop on the That is massive. Like, I, I feel bad for Kathy for having to commentate. Or really any SEC commentator that has to commentate her fault. Because, like, what else do you say about it? It kind of reminds me of Simone. It's like, you you can only use so many words to describe her. Like, what else do you say about that ball other than it's, it's massive? It's huge. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the town is definitely coming. It's, it's going to happen. Moving on to probably the biggest, not probably, definitely, the biggest matchup of the entire weekend, and that was UCLA-Utah. 
I want to start off by talking about Mars getting a FaceTime from Janet Jackson because that was such a cool thing to see. Mars was emotional. She was crying and it just it was strange to see her like have that like display of emotion because normally she's, you know, goofy. funny, she's goofy and um to see her almost like overcome with so much emotion in that moment just being like grateful that Janet took the time to FaceTime her. She almost seemed speechless. Yeah. Like, she didn't really say a whole lot and she she probably was in shock, which to be honest, I feel like anybody would be if they were FaceTiming. Yeah, like, what, what do you say? But, yeah, it was, like, not typical Mars. Like, I'm so used to seeing her just being, like, wild and crazy and silly. And, yeah, she was really, really emotional, but it was super sweet. And it made me kind of tear up a little bit just seeing how, like, you know how much that meant to her. And not only getting the recognition for her routine and how incredible it is, but then to have, you know, Janet Jackson, who is obviously this huge celebrity, um, take the time out of her day to reach out to Mars and, you know, wish her luck and... To Um, want to FaceTime her. That's what gets me. Yeah. I mean, unless it was this way and we don't know about it, but I highly doubt it. It's not like Mars was like, oh my God, can I FaceTime Janet Jackson? Like Janet actually reached out to Mars. Yeah. She reached out to her people. Well, and then Janet posted it on her Twitter, at least on Twitter. She may have posted other places, but I saw it on Twitter. Um, So she's totally giving Mars like the recognition that she deserves. And um, I'm just so happy for Mars. I, I know that it means a lot to her and... Um, It really, like, inspired her performance that day. I know that afterwards, Chris was saying that, you know, she needed to bounce back from her little mishap on bars. And he mentioned to Mars that, you know, Janet has overcome different obstacles in her life to get to where she is today. And, like, you need to kind of channel that energy. And then Mars went out and killed her Floratine and then also got a career high on Beam. So she really turned, you know, her night around um, after that little pep talk from Chris, inspired by Janet Jackson. So love it. Love to see it. I also want to give a shout out to Sarah Ulias. She had a beautiful bar routine, another career high, 9875. She is so amazing on that event. Mm-hmm. And she was hardly a level 10 before coming to college. So to be able to do a bar routine with such perfect technique and now it's finally starting out of a 10.0 because she added the staller before the disc Which her staller is so beautiful. Yeah. So beautiful. Um, It's just so great to see her contributing to a lineup at a team like UCLA when there's so many amazing people. Coming in as somebody that's not necessarily a big recruit. Um, love to see it. And I think that bar routine on Friday was definitely the best one that she's done so far in college. So yeah, for sure. Super, super happy for her. Moving over to Flora, I wanted to talk about Nia Dennis's routine. She kind of had, um, like an uncharacteristic, I would, well, maybe it's not too uncharacteristic because she does sometimes have landing problems, at least Mm -hmm. in the past. This year she's been solid, but, um, she did go out of bounds on her first pass, had a little bit too much power, and then kind of just seemed off the rest of the routine. You could see on her face, you know, the commentators were kind of coming to the conclusion that she was upset about her first pass and that she was, you know, that's kind of why her face looked, you know, not not, not performing up to the standard that she normally does. She seemed kind of out of it. But it was right after her second pass, I would say, that you could tell something was off. Because, like, she looked disappointed, sure, after her first pass, but, like, after the second pass, for some reason, she looked worse, which kind of yeah. made me suspicious, like, maybe something's going on. <laughs> And then after the routine was over, she ran off. Like, she quickly ran out of the arena. Like, she got out of there quick. And people and the commentators, too, were saying, like, 
maybe she's upset, but I'm like, that's really weird. It's an odd reaction. To, like, finish your routine and just run past your teammates because you're so upset that you went out of bounds. Like, that doesn't seem like something Nia would do. Yeah. Well, we ended up figuring out, she went on Instagram Live after the meet, and she said that she was actually sick. She'd actually thrown up before the meet and competed anyways. Which, again, you know, kind of like we said with Florida, why was Nia competing if she was sick beforehand? Like, yeah, that's questionable. If she wasn't feeling well, she probably should have sat out, honestly. Um, not only because of COVID reasons, but also for, like, safety reasons. Like, I feel like if an athlete is sick, like, do you really need them that badly? I, maybe UCLA does. At this meet, they probably feel like they did because they're going up against their biggest rival. But, yeah, Nia said she was seeing stars in her routine. And <sighs> yeah, she literally was, like, on the verge of vomiting. And she yeah, was, that's like, so not okay, though. No, well, I feel really bad for her, but, I mean... Hey, like she actually finished the routine and she got her passes to her feet, which is really impressive because I would not be able to do that if I was sick. I can only imagine what it feels like to be flying through the air when you feel like you're about to throw up. <laughs> when so. you're seeing stars, yeah. <laughs> but that explains why she was so quick to run off. She was about to throw up. So, and she didn't want to do it in the arena on national television. So, <laughs> don't blame her on that one. I also, on that note, want to real quickly mention Miley O'Keefe. Her love for Nia Dennis after the meet, she tweeted, I want to appreciate Nia Dennis and her floor team. During the meet, I said, we may be rivals, but you have to appreciate greatness. Great job to UCLA tonight. And she tagged Nia and UCLA on Twitter. That's so nice. I just love Miley. Such a great attitude. I want to be her friend. Yeah, she seems like a really great person. Mm-hmm. A really kind person. And that's not the first time that she's said nice things about other people like that, so... I just love to see it, especially when you have a rival like UCLA and Utah. It's such an intense rivalry, it's but definitely heated, especially between the fans. Mm-hmm. But love to see the love between the athletes and their appreciation. That's always nice to see. So for UCLA, moving on to Beam, the final rotation, because Nia Dennis was sick, they ended up putting kind of last minute Nikki Shapiro into the lineup, and she came through. Um, she did have a little bit of a bobble. She scored like a nine seven two five, I believe. Mm-hmm. That was the score they ended up dropping. Yes, but I was gonna say, regardless, UCLA on beam really came through as a whole. They kept it close in the last rotation. I believe going into the last rotation, they were only a tenth behind Utah, which is a lot closer than a lot of people expected. Oh, yeah. And UCLA got a 49-425 on beam, which was a season high. Everyone really did their job. I feel like UCLA really stepped it up this meet. I think a lot of people were definitely thinking that Utah was going to walk away with this one. And I think we all kind of expected them to win, but maybe by a bigger margin. Yeah. UCLA definitely kept it close, and they came to play. So that was really great to see. And especially on beam, to have your season high, I feel like they've been a little bit off on beam this season. And considering Nia went out last minute, they had to throw Nikki in very last second. That didn't phase them at all. That didn't rattle them. They went out there. They were calm, cool, collected, and they had a phenomenal rotation. Yeah, Kendall Poston did a phenomenal beam routine, and also Sam Sakti. The last two weeks, she fell on her layout, step out, layout, step out series, so she hit that strong, had a phenomenal routine. Mars, we mentioned before, got a career high, so, you know, even with, you know, Nia being out and someone like Nora Flatley currently being out on both bars and beam, they're definitely lacking the depth that they need to really have like consistent lineups week after week but I think this particular meet it didn't show Mm -hmm. and then how do you feel about Utah this I feel like would normally be a meet that I'm not upset about but I think I'm 
typically I would identify as a UCLA fan over a Utah fan, but I'm not mad at all that UCLA didn't win because Utah is really, really good this season. They I feel are. like they deserve everything that's coming their way. And I feel like, dare I say, a little bit underrated. Mm-hmm. Not like to the capacity that some other teams are underrated because everyone knows that Utah's amazing, but they're ranked third in the nation, and I feel like that was hardly acknowledged on the broadcast. They're ranked fourth, I think. Fourth, sorry. Yes. Oklahoma said, but oh, yeah, you're true. getting yeah. confused because right before we recorded this, I said I feel like they should be ranked higher than both Oklahoma and LSU at the moment. Yeah, like they could be as high as second and I would be okay with that. Yeah, like they truly look phenomenal, like start to finish, every rotation, so, so good. And I wish the broadcast would have made like a bigger storyline out of that. Yeah. I mean, granted, Sam was a former UCLA gymnast. She kind of has, you know, the insight on that team and, you know, being a former Bruin, she knows more about that team. Yeah, but I I understand it if like, if UCLA is going up against this team that's like who is this team not saying that it's not okay to not acknowledge another team (laughs) I was gonna say I'm like don't say that that sounds rude (laughs) no 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 that's not what I'm saying I'm just saying I can understand if like UCLA they're all the hype right um, but at a meet as big as this one, when it's your rival, your rival who's ranked way higher than you in the rankings, I feel like they deserve a little bit more attention is what I'm trying to say. Hopefully I'm conveying this properly. I understand. No, like, I get what you're saying. I understand having like a little bit of bias towards a team or knowing more or thinking that fans are going to care about one team more so you're going to focus on one team more. I just feel like that's not the meet to do that at because it literally is UCLA versus Utah, which is a known rival in the Pac-12 conference and nationally. Like these are both usually top ranked national teams. And this season, Utah is better than UCLA. Like I'm trying to find a better word to say it, but no, honestly, Utah is better than UCLA this season. Yeah, Yeah. blank. That's what it is. So I feel like it's not really fair to not acknowledge that and to try and find some storylines within Utah's team to talk about in the broadcast as well to have that balance. I know a lot of the Utah fans were kind of upset about that. I was scrolling through the Facebook comments. So yeah, that's something that I think that on the broadcast end of things maybe could have been a little bit better. But Utah, they looked phenomenal and they deserved all the recognition. Yeah, I think a highlight for sure was Alexia Birch on vault. She got a 9975 that, to be honest, I would have been okay with a 10 for. Yeah, so would I. I mean, I think you can nitpick it, sure, but like given some of the other vaults that have gone 10, that definitely was, you know, right up there with those ones. So I wouldn't have been mad at a 10 either. And also, I want to talk about Jaylene Gilstrap on floor. She was finally back in the lineup, and I tweeted this on our Triple Twist Gym blog account. Utah needs to accept the keep Jaylene Gilstrap in the floor lineup challenge because this routine is amazing. Why are we not seeing it week after week? I don't know. It makes me sad. I also, She's beautiful. I also need Kathy Johnson-Clark to commentate her team because I feel like she's going to die over her. She she's is. stunning. Because who wouldn't die over Jalen Gilstrap on floor? Her execution is amazing. Her flexibility, her leaps, her tumbling. like Her toe point. Truly the entire package. I want to marry her toe point. I know. It's so, so good. And we have her on our fantasy team, so... It's hard because, like, I want her to be in the lineup, but they just, like, she'll come in, and then she'll be out for a couple weeks, and then she's back in, and then she's out. And I'm like, make up your mind, Utah. She's Mm -hmm. amazing. She should be in the lineup no matter what. And on beam. I want her to be in the beam lineup as well, which I understand they have a lot more depth on that event, and their whole lineup is basically the same as it was last season, so it's probably a little bit harder to get into that lineup. But, like, girlfriend can do an amazing beam routine as well, too, so... 
Come on, Utah. We're waiting for you to put Jaylene in on both of those events. And, and keep her in. Satisfy please. our fantasy lineups as well. <laughs> Give the fans what they want. <laughs> but congrats to Utah on a phenomenal meet. You guys 100% deserve the win. And can't wait to see you know what this team does, really for both teams, UCLA and Utah, throughout the rest of the season. I think they're going to continue to get better and better. And Utah, I definitely think has the potential to be one of the top teams in the nation when they put it all together. So really excited to see what they do, you know, going into the second half of the season. Yeah, it's crazy to think that we're already kind of getting near the halfway mark of season. I know. Before we know it, it's going to be postseason, and we're going to start having conference championships, national championships, very, very exciting stuff coming up. And I'm really happy that we're at this point, because I think in the beginning of the season, we were all a little bit like unsure and hesitant about what the season was going to look like, if the season was going to happen, and I think that we're already basically at the halfway point. It's like a little bit of a sigh of relief. Like, okay, like we're actually doing this. Like, we're fine for the most part. Like, right. for the most part, the teams are healthy. The athletes are healthy. Um, Still some questionable fan behavior in the stands. Like, they keep showing on TV. They keep, like, panning to the audience. And I'm like, maybe we shouldn't do that. Like, maybe we shouldn't be advertising that we have people in the stands here. And they're not wearing masks properly. Like, Ugh. that that's a choice. Like, you could just keep it, like, keep the cameras on the floor and focused on the gymnast. And, like, let's not acknowledge that we have, like, a bunch of people in the audience <laughs> not wearing masks properly. But you can only control so much. Either way, like I said, I'm glad that we're... We're having the season. I'm glad that so far, knock on wood, it's going pretty well. And hopefully we will actually see postseason this year and not have it cut short, you know, a week or two before. So I also wanted to real quickly give a shout out to two teams, Southern Utah and Arkansas, for having program records. So Southern Utah with a 1973 and Arkansas with a 1973 So pretty close to each other. Those were program records for both those teams. And also Kennedy Hambrick for Arkansas. She had a 39.75, which was Arkansas's all-around program record. She got a 9.975 on vault for her beautiful stock one and a half, very well deserved, a 9.875 on bars, and 9.95 on both beam and floor. So an incredible meet for her, an incredible meet for Arkansas. We've been talking about them, you know, obviously last week with Maggie being on the show and just in general, they're an amazing team, definitely on the rise. I think to see them so high in the rankings right now is very exciting. Yeah, I was going to say they're kind of holding their own in the national rankings. So big things are in store for them. I want to round out today's episode by giving a shout out to both Western Michigan and Eastern Michigan University. Such a thrilling competition between these two schools, and it really came down to the final routine. It was a nail-biter competition for sure, and, you know, we're always so focused on the bigger-name schools and, you know, rivalries and like, the SEC conference and the Pac-12 conference and all that, but it's fun to watch teams like Eastern and Western go head-to-head because they're so similar in terms of capabilities and really just as exciting as me as the big teams are when you watch them. Yeah. I really think that these are two of the top teams in the MAC Conference. Mm -hmm. And the MAC Conference is actually pretty strong this year. A lot of the teams are really doing really well. Um, Eastern in particular, we follow them pretty closely. And they're having a phenomenal season, especially compared to 
last season. Yeah. So it ended up being Western that came out on top. They posted a 196.025 to Eastern's 195.975. So it was super close. Ended up being just a half tenth that separated the two teams. Eastern actually posted their highest beam score in program history. It was a 49.35, and that rotation was incredible. They didn't count anything below a 9.825. They did have a 9.725 from Michaela Stuckey, but they were able to drop that score. So they posted a 9.85, 9.825, 9.875, 9.85. And then in the anchor position, the queen, Jada Rondu, came through with a 9.95. Obviously, that's a career high. And she's only the second person in EMU's history to score that on beam. So pretty cool. And it was kind of frustrating that we didn't really get to see the the full routine mm-hmm. the feed was doing this weird like back and forth where like well i guess i shouldn't blame it on the feed it wasn't the feed's fault it wasn't <laughs> the broadcast's fault but the judges were having like beam and floor going pretty much at the same time and mm-hmm. i'm like why this is like a head-to-head competition like it's yeah. not like it's a quad meet like why are we rushing through this <laughs> right it was a little bit bizarre because the last two rotations were like that and it made it very difficult to follow what actually was happening because it was such a close meet and they were kind of competing at the same time right and by the time we got to jada we saw like her her leap series and then her dismount and that looked good so we're like yay but we don't know what else she did and then it turns out everything was fine she does it at triple series which she nailed and obviously it was an amazing routine came away with a 995 so that is so exciting peyton murphy from western michigan also scored a 995 on beam so scores were flying at that and she got a 9925 on floor Mm -hmm. she actually broke the program record for the all-around for western michigan it was previously set by rachel underwood back in 2018 and today peyton got a 39375 so she's another athlete that's having a phenomenal season i know last year she had a neck injury that kind of kept her out and not kind of it did keep her out yeah and just really glad to see her back and thriving and doing so well for western i think she's gonna go down as one of the greatest athletes of all time for that school but overall there was a lot of great gymnastics in this competition and both teams posted their season highs and Really, I think just a foreshadowing of good things to come for both of these teams. We only have a couple weeks left of the season and, you know, MAC championships are going to be coming up. And I'm really excited for that just because there's so many teams in the MAC conference that are just as good. You know, you have Western and Eastern, but then you also have Central Michigan and Ball State. I feel like a lot of people are sleeping on Ball State. They're one of my favorite teams, honestly. Yeah, Arden Hudson got a 9925 on beam, which was a program yeah. record, I believe. And then their freshman, Victoria Henry, got a 9925 for her one and a half. It was the first time she ever did the one and a half, and she got a 9925. And they kind of go back and forth. Now we're switching gears. Now we're talking about Ball State. And this was actually two weeks ago, but just mentioning it because I feel like we have to. Um, they actually can have four 10-0 start values in their lineup. They have Arden Hudson, who does a front handspring double full, which is like super unique. You don't see that very often. That's a 10-0 start value. They have Suki Fister, who does a front handspring pike half, which she sometimes does it, sometimes doesn't do it, but that's a potential 10-0 start value. Then they had Victoria Henry, who was doing a full at the start of the season. Beautiful full, really flares it out. Super big ball. Cranks out the one and a half midway through the season. It goes 9925 in her first time ever doing it. So, like, no big deal. And I'm hoping that she's not injured because this past weekend she warmed up and then she didn't compete. Yeah. So, um, hopefully she's okay. Yeah. And then they also have Marissa Ninecheck who does a 
your Chenko one and a half in the tuck position, but that's also a 10 start value. So pretty cool to see a lot of diversity in that lineup. Yeah, and it's cool to see a team not in the big conferences have four 10 start values. I feel like that that's pretty competitive of them. So love following Mac Gymnastics. I think that they're a conference that a lot of people don't pay a lot of attention to, but... But Mac Championships, like you said, are going to be really, really intense this year. There's... Really, on any given day, any one of these teams could take the title. I think the Eastern, Central, Ball State, and Western are probably the front runners. I would say. But then Kent State also is capable of putting up. Kent State is actually the highest ranked MAC team at the moment. So what's funny is the MAC preseason coaches poll had NIU, who was technically still the reigning MAC champions because there was no MAC championships last year, obviously, and then Central Michigan. They've always kind of been at the top of the rankings in the MAC conference. Friends, they're kind of when you look at the rankings, they're the lower ranked MAC teams at the moment. You have Bowling Green too, but I feel like we can't really count them yet because they're just now starting to compete with like a full lineup and actually have a team score. Yeah. Um, but I feel like everybody in the MAC conference is kind of just throwing things for a loop and they're surprising everyone and kind of it's kind of like a plot twist as the season progresses so it's been a lot of fun to see also this just came to my mind we were talking about eastern and their program record beam score from sunday that was also without caitlin sattler who is like a total beam queen we've talked about her before on the show absolutely love her She's currently out at the moment. Eastern had a dual meet weekend, and she didn't compete in either meet. They're hoping to have her back in the last couple meets of the season. So um, I just think that's really impressive because she also posted a career high 9.925 this season, and it hasn't gone really below 9.8 this whole season. And the last four meets, she actually hasn't gone below 9.875. So if that doesn't tell you how amazing she is, I don't know what will. But I also wanted to throw that in there because I think that is super, super interesting but also exciting well she's a really really big part of that lineup and a key contributor for eastern so to see them post a program record beam score and then not have her in it it's like what are they gonna do when they when she's back i know it actually pains me a little bit because i feel like at the meet this weekend like she probably would have got a really really big score if jada got a 995 she Mm -hmm. probably also would have went 995 yeah that's definitely a bummer but exciting for what's to come not only for emu but for the entire mac conference so if you guys haven't watched mac gymnastics before you need to tune in because there's a lot of good stuff going on over there we hope you guys enjoyed today's episode and i feel like we've been saying this now we said it last week we said it the week before maybe even the week before we keep saying that we're going to take a break and then for some reason we don't end up taking a break we always keep coming back with episodes so this time we might actually take a break for the week not have an episode out but if you want you can listen to me on cmu's gymnastics broadcast this sunday i will be doing the commentary for that and of course we will be back in the following week with some more gymnastics talk but in the meantime we wanted to recommend a couple of our previous episodes if you guys are a new listener maybe and haven't heard all the interviews that we've done yeah because i feel like we've gotten a lot of new listeners within the last like month or so mm-hmm. so i think my favorite interviews that we've done was lady madsen that was a pretty good one anna Pedereria was a really good one she's super fun who else have we done grace mccallum and Michaela skinner yeah we also had sky blake Lee and Connor McLean on the show back in March or actually it was back in April but when the Olympics were postponed and then it was announced that all the kids that were born in 2005 so like Connor and Sky mainly are the big ones 
they would be allowed to compete at the Olympics. We had them on to talk about that. So that's a good one. And then also our most recent ones, we had Maggie O'Hara on the show and then BJ Das. So those are maybe a couple interviews that you can go back and listen to if you haven't already heard those ones because they're some of our favorites. Actually, one more I wanted to recommend because I've seen a lot of people talking about her recently. Whitney Bajurkin. We also had her on the show. And that's actually our most viewed episode like of all time. Like out of all the episodes that we've done, our interview with Whitney, not because it was like a super good interview, I don't think. Like, I don't think it's the best interview that we've done. She just has a lot of fans. But she has a lot, really big fan base. So um, that's also a popular episode if you want to check that one out. So hopefully that will tie you guys over. <laughs> and we will be back very soon. Have a great week. And we will talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye.